What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Earspace, and happy Thursday, or happy whatever day it is that you are tuning in to Earspace. On today's podcast, we got a special one for you. We got an author, S.L. McClellan, of the book The Long Road. We talked about the writing process, what it takes to get your book published, uh, some misadventures at sea or in water. And a whole bunch of other fun stuff. As always, Earspace is made possible by Rock 10 Productions. If you are looking for any recording, mixing, or mastering time or instrumentals for your audio project, check out rock10productions.com. That's R-O-K-1-0-productions.com. The song used on this episode is a favorite of S.L. McKellen's. He said that uh, later on in the podcast you'll hear... He listened to this song a couple times while writing the book amongst a bunch of other songs, so we figured we would use it here as the intro. It is Big Iron by Marty Robbins, so go check that out on all streaming platforms. And yeah, without further ado, here's my conversation with S.L. McClellan. To the town of our free road a stranger one fine day. Hardly spoke to folks around him, didn't have too much to say. No one dared to ask his business, no one dared to make a slip. The stranger there among them had a big iron on his hip. Big iron on his some hip. Episodes. It was early in the morning when he rode. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Earspace. On today's podcast, we are joined by... Uh, Sean McClellan. What's up, man? Welcome to Earspace. Yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, We were talking about it a little bit off mic, but you heard about the podcast via Eric Tonzola. Yep. Because he did the cover art for your book. Yeah, it's right here. I mean, no one can see it, but yeah, us, yeah, it's yeah. right here. Definitely uh, make sure you check out the, the Instagram photo and uh, look out for the book. Uh, where, where can people find it? Uh, so this one is available on Amazon, and okay. I think you can also get it at Barnes & Noble. I'll, I'll give you the, all the links and stuff. Gotcha. Yeah, we'll do like a plug section at the end then too. But So um, I have initially so many questions. Um, I, uh, I've, I wrote maybe like a couple poems in high school, but to get everything to get, that's a, you know, it's a thick book there you got, sir. How uh, there's okay, we'll we'll go deep, deep into it, like from the beginning, I guess. Like, how did you first, like, where did you fall in love with writing? Uh, so it's gonna sound it's gonna sound corny as hell. I was in fifth grade, yeah, okay, and uh, I didn't really care about writing at the you're 11, you don't give a shit about anything when you're 11. Uh, except for whichever girl you have a crush on or whatever. Right. Um, but we had the, the teacher, it was some writing unit, I guess, and the teacher had a poster up, and it was a whole bunch of different authors. And actually, the, I put the quote in the book. Uh, so there's a quote by C.S. Lewis saying, I wrote the books I should have liked to read. That's always been my reason for writing. Mm. And I don't know, at 11, I guess I had a profound moment. And yeah. not too long after that, me and my best friend, who I actually still hang out with, um, we started doing little comics because Captain Underpants had just come out. Gotcha. You know how they oh, have, I forgot about Captain yeah, Underpants. Right? And they have the comic usually like right in the middle of the yeah. Captain Underpants. So we started doing that. It was the adventures of of V-Man and Stretcho or some, some dumb shit like that. <laughs> uh, and the comic books eventually became like a picture book short story thing where one of us would draw like the illustration and then we would write, you know, like a paragraph or two underneath that all on like notebook paper. Gotcha. Um, and it kind of just spiraled out from there. Uh, my first real attempt at writing um, was in seventh or eighth grade. I had just read a whole bunch of the... Uh, I mean, now it's called like the Legend of Drizzt books, but it's like okay. those Forgotten Realms. It's D Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, books. gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and so me and two friends started writing. We, we were doing our spin on basically an epic fantasy, and yeah. it was uh, God. I couldn't. I hope that the file has been deleted. I hope it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. 
because if I had to read it, I would I would cringe. <laughs> uh, but the the first line was the goblin let arrow fly, and then we just it was a whole thing about elves and dwarves fighting orcs and goblins and shit, yeah. and it was awful. But it was it was so much fun to to write. Yeah. Um, and then it just kind of kept going from there. I've I've tried writing a couple of things. Uh, I started out in fantasy, okay, uh, and then eventually uh, I finally was able to get my hands on a copy of of Mad Max Road Warrior. Uh, I started playing Fallout Three in New Vegas, mm-hmm. and I just fell in love with the idea of post apocalyptic stuff because it uh, fantasy you can make anything up, right? You know, right, right. It's got to follow some basic rules, uh, but post-apocalyptic really lets you pick almost any genre and then ignore most of the rules because mm. society's gone. So right. like, I don't need to remember the history of, of a city. I can just like, eh, it's gone. Yeah. It's been blown up. <laughs> so like, this is essentially a Western that takes place after the world exploded. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's fascinating, man. So I guess uh, we'll, we'll go kind of all over the place here, but um, definitely something I'm interested in is like your writing process. So kind of run that through with me like do, do you um you know is it very rigid you know do you have a time that you sit down and write or is it just when creative creativity comes you write down notes how do you write the notes down and so many questions uh so when i was when i was in college specifically the summers okay uh, i worked at hershey park okay right on and so it was usually like ev- afternoon evening shift so I don't have to start around 11 usually. So that gave me plenty of time in the morning. So I'd get up around eight or nine because I was still still riding high from the having to get up at you know, six in the morning. So that way you can have lunch at 10 o'clock in the morning in high school. Yeah. Uh, so I was used to getting up. Now now I can't I can't wake up for shit. Um, what time you wake up? Uh, I mean, my alarm goes off at 730, but gotcha. I, I get out of bed at like eight. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. But I work from home, so I just I have to walk like 20 feet to my office. Right on. They're never making me go back. <laughs> Can't make me go back. Um, so during that time, it was pretty rigid. You know, get my laptop out right for an hour or two almost every morning. Okay. And that's how I wrote almost an entire uh, fantasy draft for a novel about a character named uh, Oliver Pierre de Samba. Right on. Uh, and one day I'll come back to that and, and make it better. Uh, but it was also garbage. On the uh, on the computer, do you have a specific like tool that you use, word. or you just Word? I'm I'm just a Word yeah. guy. Some yeah. I I talked to, I talked to a an, a published author before, and she's like, you should try Scribbly. It's great. And I don't know. I'm almost thirty. I don't want to learn new things. Yeah. <laughs> is that the one where it like blacks it out or something like that? Like I, all I know text? is that it's got a whole like tool where you can just drag and drop whole sections to rearrange oh. stuff, and it sounds really great. But right. But all that time I could be spending learning Scribbly, I could be spending writing or playing video games. Right, I'd right. Really, rather do that because you know words working just fine. Uh, nowadays, my process is way worse. Um, mm. I don't really have one. It's I'll, I'll sometimes I'll write for you know three or four hours while plugged in listening to music. Uh, typically, I try to go for like soundtracks or instrumental stuff. Okay, yeah. Um, and then other times I'll go like months without writing anything yeah I'm, I'm in one of those slumps right now where i'm 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 trying to bang out some short stories as part of the the launch campaign for the second book okay um so that's been fun because i use a typewriter and i try to keep just for that i use a typewriter normally i just i have a laptop and i right. just do that right right um typewriter very yeah. cool i haven't seen one of those in a while i should have brought it uh now i reached out to a friend and i was like hey i'm interested in getting a typewriter just to kind of you know fuck around with mm. uh and he sent me a photo. And he's like, "Hey, is this like what you'd be interested in? Something older?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. I want like a mechanical typewriter." He's like, right. "Yeah, cool." Uh, I was like, "Yeah, if you find one, like, let me know, and I can go get it." Like four days later, he texted me. He's like, "Hey, uh, when you got a moment, swing by. I got something for you." And I was like, "Oh, cool. I wonder what he got." I thought it was maybe gonna be like, I don't know. He's been into three D printing. Maybe he thought print, printed me something. Yeah. Now the fucker bought me a typewriter. No way. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. So I, that's sweet. I, I I've written. Five of the like ten or eleven short stories I kind of have planned for the summer. Okay. Uh, so I've been writing those, and then I'll retype them on my computer to do some very minor edits. I don't really go into the weeds on that. Mm. Uh, and then I, I've been throwing them up on Instagram and Twitter and and Facebook. Gotcha. And you know, probably to buy myself some time between the release of two and three, I'll probably go through and edit them a little more finely and th- put them in like a novella and sell that. 
Gotcha. Because I do need more time for so, the third one. Like, how how does one go from you know creating interesting comics and stuff as a child to to being published? Like, how does that process work? I never said they were interesting. Oh, hey, I'm just <laughs> I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. That's- that's fair. I found I found those a while ago and gave them to my friend as part of a Christmas gift a couple of years ago. I should see if he still still has them. But you should put moved. them out there, man. Oh no, absolutely <laughs> not. No, 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 barely anybody wants to read a, a written novel by me, much less a comic book by ten year old me. Hey, man, you never know. That's fair. Um, so, I. I've got a nine to five. I, I train people on software. That that's my job. I don't okay. plan on switching that over for writing anytime soon because I like writing. And the moment I try to make that a career, I'll probably resent it and, yeah. and quit. Yeah. Um, but the process of going from writing, doodling, and writing terrible comic books in elementary school to uh, publishing, uh, man, I don't know. Um, I finished the I finished the rough draft of this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, and this is gonna, this might be a little silly, but, uh, my, my girlfriend's dad is a very impressive man. Mm -hmm. And at the time I worked at Walmart and I didn't want him to think I was some loser that worked at Walmart. And I was mostly done with the first draft. And then she was like, Hey, uh, you know, my parents want to get dinner, uh, and, and meet you. And I was like, ah, shit. Yeah. Okay, I need to do something impressive here. When how long did you have in between the the dinner date to uh I think I had exit Walmart <laughs> and become a published author. <laughs> so <laughs> I I think I found out that the idea had started floating around maybe two months before it actually happened. Uh, right, right. Okay. Uh, and I, like I said, I was mostly done, but like I just I, I banged it out. I was yeah, just, yeah. Every day I got home, I just I was typing typing like mad in my little one bedroom. Like I had a one bedroom apartment with a barely functioning toilet and like a little kitchen dining room like stapled on. Yeah. And I got I would get home. I'd feed my cat. I'd wipe up the pee that he left for me at the door because he had <laughs> attitude problems. Yeah. Rest in peace, Apollo. Uh, and then I, I banged it out, and I printed a copy at Staples, and I was like, good. I can say that I finished the draft. Right, right. And then when I met him, he's like, so, I, I heard you uh, you finished writing a novel draft. What's what's going on with that? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm working through this, you know. Yeah. Going to put that through some some edits and try to get published. And he, I mean, I live with him now, so I guess, yeah. I, I, guess I impressed him. Interesting. Well, you said he's an impressive man. What do you mean by that? Uh, Bill is an engineer. He mm. founded a business uh, that, by all reports, is very successful. That was all before my time. Yeah, uh, and he's you know one of the owners of Columbia Kettleworks. Gotcha. Uh, so, gotcha. Uh, yeah, he's he's got he's got probably the most impressive work ethic I've ever seen. I mean, you could you could interview him probably. I mean, yeah, I mean, who knows, man? I'll have to reach out. I mean, I I would listen to that. That would be fun. He's he's probably got some good stories. Um, but yeah, so I mean, basically, I I. I Went out of my way to finish it so I could impress my girlfriend's dad. Hey, man, whatever gets you there. Yeah, and um, I I had my my best friend Cameron read over it and provide me with some some line edits, um, and then he basically told a bunch of my friends, he's like, "Hey, this is actually like pretty decent, so you guys should." Also read it and you know help us find any you know, typos and right. you know, make sure that everything kind of makes sense. Since Sean's been talking to me about it for a while, it's it's hard for us to look at it kind of objectively. Uh, and then and then they did, and I found some other people to help me with beta reading. And I didn't really want to go through the process of of shopping it around mm. uh, because one, I don't know, I'm, I'm not that great with rejection. It would okay. it would have hurt my feelings. My dreams would have been crushed. Yeah. Um, and two, like I said, I didn't, I don't want to turn this into a full-time thing. Mm. I don't want to sign a contract that says I got to publish like, you know, a book every single year for the next 50 years. Right. Uh, so I, I, I did some research on, on self-publishing and I mean, Amazon's the, like this, the biggest retail company in the world right yeah. now, I think. Yeah. And their process is super easy. So I, I published through Amazon. Uh, I, in retrospect, I should have given myself a little bit more time because, like I told you earlier, the the initial printing had, still had a couple of you know typos and, mm. and line errors where 
you know, it was kind of embarrassing for somebody to be like, hey, I found this. I was like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, and those those have been fixed, and you know the revised editions out there. But I wanted to get it out on on um, May fourth because that's Star Wars Day. It's a big yeah, nerd yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it got released last year during the during the earliest parts of the pandemic. Um, this one, I'm for the second one, the the Minutemen. I'm being much more much more conservative, and uh, I actually got picked up by an indie publisher uh, that's run by by somebody I I know from college. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, he. They still give me complete creative control, um, but they they were in charge of like the marketing strategies right, and everything right. like that. So we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, I could definitely draw a parallel, like a little bit from like a publishing agency. From what I understand, with with literature, would be kind of like the uh, you know the the music label from from my world. You know, they you can do a lot of things by yourself, but if you can get the machine behind you, so to speak, for for marketing and and all that, there's definitely some benefits. Um, if you're comfortable talking about it, I'm, I'm very curious about kind of like the technical aspect of that. Like how does that relationship work between you and, and the publisher? I mean, honestly, right now, I mean, so like I said, it's a, it's a real small one. I think he's, he's published some of his own stuff. Uh, he's got me and he might have one or two other, it's, it's send media. Okay. Um, and he might have one or two other folks, but it's, it's very informal. Like he's he's also got his own you know, nine to five, and this is just kind of a side project that gotcha. he's working on. Uh, he's he's big into a lot of creative stuff, and so honestly, he just wants to support artists that he knows uh, yeah. in any way that he can. And so he he went with this option. Um, so my, my job hasn't really changed. I don't I I write the stuff. I yeah. You know, I've sent it to him. He, I still have my my editor that I use, but then he's got an editor on his payroll. So you know, it, it went through a, basically an additional uh, layer of editing, uh, and I got some pretty pretty solid feedback from that person. Although it was funny, they didn't even they didn't even realize that what they had been editing was a was a sequel. Oh, okay. Um, and but the nice thing is. <clears throat> at no point was there an issue where it's like, I don't understand what the hell's going on here. Like, who are these people? Like, so apparently I did a pretty good job of, of making the Minutemen stand, stand alone from the long road, even though they, they definitely weave one right into the other. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, since, since getting picked up by Sen, um, and I hope it's Sen and not Ken, I'm going to, I'm going to be He's, I haven't actually run uh, talked to him in person since since coming into it since I got picked up during gotcha. the pandemic and he lives down in Virginia. Uh, Gary and I'm sorry if it's if it's Ken and not Sen, um, but I mean since getting picked up by it, yeah, nothing for me has really changed. the The release of Minutemen in September is really going to kind of show what the relationship can do, at least on my end. Gotcha. And the the physical copies is that like they take care of that or do they ship you a bunch of them it's, and then how's that work? So that that's all print on demand. Um, okay. Because he doesn't have he doesn't have printers or anything like that. So that's gotcha. why we go through Amazon. That's why gotcha, we go gotcha. through Barnes and Noble. Uh, it's registered on Ingram Spark now. So okay. ba- really any any bookstore that wants it could order it basically from like Ingram Spark and then they would get you know printed copies sent out to them. Gotcha. Uh, that's that's also why it's only paperback right now. I think ideally after it's supposed to be a trilogy. So after the third mm. one comes out, I I would be intrigued or interested in maybe doing like a Kickstarter campaign to okay. try to generate interest and revenue for hardback editions. Yeah. Uh, cuz I've got like my my grandmother, who is also my biggest fan, has been like, "I want a hardcover copy." And my older roommate uh, Ed has been like, "I want a hardcover copy." Yeah, like, right, I right. Can't, I can't do a hardcover right. copy. Right, I'd imagine that. it's substantially more expensive. Oh yeah, and like, and for that, you really have to get you, either you're spending like forty dollars per copy, mm. or you you have to have like an actual, you know, forty dollars to manufacture. Uh, yeah, because it's it would all damn for for independent. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. I I can't buy like a thousand of them and yeah right, that right. Expense. that's tight man i didn't know that yeah so down the line if i you know maybe we'll do the the kickstarter or an indiegogo or something because then yeah. we can we can see how many people are interested and then we have the money beforehand right and then we could buy a whole bunch of copies and and bring the price down to something more reasonable could you do like a box set kind of thing and that's have like all the, of them oh, together and that I, that would be the dream that would be no dope man I would, I would love that i said nope that'd be dope Jeez. Take it out and post. <laughs> yeah, right. 
of all the things that I could. Um, so I, uh, I just while we were talking here, um, I noticed you're also wearing flip flops. What's what's your relationship like with uh, flip flops? Uh, so I wore my nice flip flops today for the photo. Yeah. Uh, but normally I have a pair of I think they're Nike brand. I don't know. I bought them on sale at like the outlets. The tang- yeah, yeah. outlets. Like bought them like three years ago. Yeah. Uh, and then last year I bought these in another pair because I was like, oh, my old ones are starting to wear through, and they just haven't yet. Yeah. Uh, but that's largely because for an entire year I didn't have to leave my, i couldn't right. leave my house you know, right it would have been it would have been societally irresponsible to leave my house yeah uh so i love flip-flops um i'm I a wear, big fan as well yeah I, I wear them as as often as i can um once it's shorts weather mm. like may, like halfway through may once once there's like three solid days of nice weather it's it's shorts yep and then about halfway through maybe the end or near the end of september then there's usually the bad weather i'll switch back to jeans but yeah and my girlfriend gives me shit all the time. But not not actual shit, but she she pokes fun at me all the time. Rich Rachel's lovely. I don't wanna I don't wanna <laughs> There's no there's no, no libel worries, or slander bro. here. Um but <laughs> it could be pouring down rain. Yeah. And I am still in flip flops and yeah. and shorts. The only I, I've worn flip flops like in the snow before, which is not not like, you know, hiking around in the snow, but I just I hate shoes. I don't like them either. And flip flops are the, the for me at least the easiest thing that I can take the shoe off like for the most part when i'm around here when i'm at home or even just sometimes I, I i walk around the city without shoes on which is very dicey but the bottom of my feet are like rugged now and got uh, hobbit feet yeah i'm very proud of that <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm the same way if i cannot wear shoes i will not wear shoes i hate wearing socks even yeah like uh now my that the house I live in, the in like the office space I have in the house, is all hardwood floors. Okay. So I, I will wear my flip flops while I'm working because t- mm. I'm on the phone a lot, so I'll tend to pace around. Gotcha. And and that's just that way, like my feet don't hurt real right. bad by the end of the right. day. But for the most part, like I'll be I'm barefoot or yeah. or flip flops as long as I can. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I feel like the uh, of all the different styles of shoe, the flip flop gets shit on the most. Now Crocs get shit on the most. Yeah. True. True. And and then I would say it's Actually, those dad sandals. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Maybe flip flops aren't that bad anymore. <laughs> I like slides too, but if you walk for a long period, the there's no no pair of slides I've ever worn that doesn't start to dig into your I, foot. I gotta have that bit between my toes. Yeah, and I've I've hiked in these before. These are I actually had these for probably five or six years, and I've gone on long walks with them and stuff. They're called the uh, Spencos. They're like uh, they like mold your feet. Yeah. I'd highly recommend them. Shout out for the free plug to Spenco flip flops. Really doing good ear space content here. <laughs> <laughs> I did a whole like ad spot last. Uh, I don't know the order that we're gonna put this out, but Wegmans owes me like thousands of dollars. I love Wegmans. We're at, we we gotta talk. Wegmans. I don't I don't have to go shopping very often. Yeah, L- living with Rachel and her parents, like her her mom handles all the shopping. I oh, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know how to like. I mean, I, I I chip in on the on the on the the grocery bills and everything yeah. like that. But I wouldn't even know how to go shopping. She has she has turned me in from like a a, a stray mangy alley cat into like a fat domesticated like <laughs> neutered tomcat. I am I am incapable over the last. Nearly five years, I have been rendered completely incapable of taking care of myself. No shit. I mean, hey man, that that sounds nice though, yeah. to a degree. Yeah, I mean, she's a vegetarian, so she doesn't do any sort of meat cooking, so I can still grill. That's the yeah. one. I have that skill. And yeah, that is it. What's your go-to grill food? Uh, <laughs> oh man, um, I I I really enjoy salmon. Okay, mm. so she, Rachel's an pescatarian, so she'll okay. eat fish too. Yeah. Uh, so she really likes salmon, so I'll grill salmon pretty uh, consistently, especially because it's you know one of the more affordable, nice fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really like any of the the regular like white fish, like haddock, yeah. cod, and all that. That tastes too tastes too much like fish. Gotcha. Um, and then I'll I'll make myself trout, which is also fishy. So now I feel like an asshole for for, for contradicting <laughs> myself. Uh, 
tuna. We just had swordfish the other night. That was very nice. Mm. Um, but but my go-to when I'm not cooking for other people is uh, just like a, a simple New York strip. You know, salt gotcha. and pepper. You know, yeah. Let that sit in your, your fridge for... Is this a cooking show now? I'm uh, sure, dude. It's, it's yeah. everything. All right, so just a little salt and pepper on both sides of your, your steak. Throw yeah. that in the fridge for, for a day. to let it kind of soften up the meat. And then I, okay. I throw it on for four minutes on one side and then usually three or four minutes on the other side depending on who I'm cooking for. I like medium rare, leaning yeah. more rare. So like, likewise. Uh, but everybody else in my house is a bit more health conscious than I am, so they tend to be medium rare, leaning towards medium if gotcha. they're actually eating food. Well, hey, I mean, if it's it's not ground meat, I think you're yeah, pretty we, much in the safe territory. We we do we've been doing a lot of uh, impossible and beyond. Oh, uh, really? Burgers for the for the last couple of months now that they finally hit grocery stores around gotcha. us. I had one once, and it was convincing. Yeah. More than I thought it would be. Yeah, I, I mean, if I go to Burger King, I'll get the Impossible Whopper pretty much any time over the uh, the regular one. Now I don't. You a Burger not, King guy? Uh, man. Someone was just talking about Burger King on here recently. Uh, damn, they, now they just got a free just, plug. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> this, this is just free. Like, come to your space. Just free plugs for businesses. No, my my fast food of choice has always been Wendy's. I'm I'm Dude, riding I'm a Wendy's, Wendy's guy all day. But, but the Wendy's is considerably farther from my house than the Burger King. Gotcha. So when I don't when when everybody else goes out for the night and I got to buckle in for my, my weekly game of D&D and I got to cook for myself and I don't have any time, I'll, I'll go to Burger King because it's closer. Right. And, like, it's not better, but I don't know. I read a little bit about industry farming and it doesn't – like, I'm not going to stop eating meat, but it doesn't yeah. sit super well with me. Right, so right, when right. I, when I cannot do meat. Like, uh, I heard that Israel's got um, – they, they apparently just opened up a whole, like, factory that can make – lab grown meat now okay and that that's very exciting to me i would i would love for for that stuff to to get to the point where it's affordable and it's in the states right uh because i i will buy that i'll buy that all day if it means that a cow or a, a chicken or a, nah fuck pigs i don't like pigs it means a cow <laughs> dude or a the pigs are pigs are like more intelligent than chickens and stuff yeah right? i don't trust them <laughs> what what happened to what happened with you and uh uh chickens or excuse me with pigs nah i just, I, don't know, I just don't like them. I think they look weird. And I read Animal Farm, and they were the gotcha. bad guys in Animal Farm. Gotcha. Understood. Well, damn, dude. I always wanted to get a. a don't say teacup uh, pig. Don't. No, I was gonna say I always wanted to get um, uh, like a chicken coop, and like raise chickens and have uh, you know, fresh eggs and and all that. But uh, moved into the city. Can't, yeah. A couple of years ago, and uh, yeah, don't have that option. <laughs> you might be able to do bees. You could probably do a bee ke- urban beekeeping. Maybe. Yeah, right. Is that is that legal in Lancaster? I have no idea. I mean, probably. Not. I mean, like a bee stings one person, you're probably in a lot of trouble. Yeah, right. I never thought about that. Yeah, I, the liability of the beekeeper. Man, oh boy, those poor guys—they're they're the unsung heroes, you know, keeping those bees alive. Yeah, bees, bees are very bees, important. We wouldn't have avocados without bees, and how could we put our avocado on our toast? I had avocado toast one time, like at like a place out in San Francisco. I love it San was just like there, and I was like, "All right, I'm in San Francisco. I better have the avocado toast." I had it for the I first time. I love avocados, time. but I had it for the first time in New York City. Okay, uh, yeah, my first trip up to New York City with Rachel to to meet some of her family. Yeah, uh, we went to. Uh, we went to a rooftop bar because that's what you do in New York City. Yeah, and have avocado. Yeah, toast. and we had avocado toast. Yeah, I mean, I like avocado toast. Um, but I like avocados and I like toast. To put them together, it's like a natural idea, but also it's like it's just so like the, yeah, they well one they uh, add unnecessary stuff. You don't you yeah. can just have avocados on your toast. Yeah, but it's so expensive. Yeah, like, I mean there's all those dumb memes about how millennials waste their money on avocado toast. Right, and that's that's all that's all bullshit. But like it is expensive. I don't right. know what what do they justify the cost? Avocados they're not that expensive. Bread right. very cheap. Something that I know nothing about that I'm gonna ask you about. Uh, while we're on the topic of uh, millennial food and whatnot, almond milk. From what I understand, it takes an extreme amount of water to produce almonds, and then an extreme amount of almonds to create almond milk. But everyone's all into almond milk because it's like good for the environment or whatever. I heard. What are your thoughts on this? So, my 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 ancestry on my father's side is dairy farmers for like generations. Oh, okay. Uh, and so I will not get a hay bale and spray paint it with drink dairy like PA yeah, milk. I won't right, do right. that. But like I'm a 
I'm a two percent milk kind of guy gotcha. uh, when when I get to pick and choose. Uh, but we have almond milk in the fridge. When I was uh, in college and post college, I would buy almond milk because it lasts. It's about the same price and it would last a whole lot longer. Right, right. Uh, so that was just you know while I'm poor, living paycheck to paycheck, that right. was that was easier to to keep in my fridge. Understood. I think it's fine, but I don't know. I watched all of The Good Place, and the one character was saying that there's a whole lot of ethical ramifications to almond milk. So, uh, yeah, from me, what I understand, for me the jury's out. Like, I mean, I'll drink it, yeah, and I'll buy it, but I'm not gonna not drink regular milk. What about like lab-grown almond milk? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> really going all over the place here. Now we get into the the meat and potatoes, so to speak, of the. The, the podcast. I'm a meat and potatoes kind of guy. Have you ever seen a ghost before? I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts either. But I've had some people in here that were very convincing. My, well, that's my, all I say uh, about that. My biological mother claims that when I when I was an infant, uh, my my dad, my bio mother, uh, lived in a farmhouse. Okay. On the dairy farm owned by the family. Right. Uh, and apparently, it was very old. And evidently haunted. I guess. I guess my family has a ghost that follows them around, named Henry, mm. uh, some guy that hung him, hanged himself in a barn. Okay. Uh, that eventually, uh, you know, hanged himself in a barn on the farm that right. my great grandfather, or maybe my great great grandfather, at the uh, dairy farm. Yeah, at the dairy farm that they bought gotcha. out in Delaware County. This is. I'm I'm drawing on like, 22 year old <laughs> memories here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but apparently Henry hanged himself in a barn. My great-grandfather or my great-great-grandfather bought that farm. Yeah. And then eventually they moved from that farm to a, another farm. Uh, I guess the ghost followed him. Like one of the farmhands saw the ghost and was all yeah. freaked out. And I don't know. I I don't believe in ghosts. Uh, I don't really care if other people believe in ghosts. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I believe a big bearded dude lives in the sky and watches right over all of us, so I'm not going to make fun of anybody yeah. for anything like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Not big into aliens either. Yeah. I think that they're out there, but it's a really big universe. The odds of them showing up here I think is a little small. Yeah, right, right. It's kind of like the center of the world or like the center of the story idea that it's like, oh, of course it would come here and they would land in America. Yeah. Well, you know that's because I mean? America is <laughs> the, the New York City is the only city yeah. in America and America right. is the only country on right. Earth and right. Earth is the only planet in our galaxy. Right. And our galaxy is the only thing that matters right. in the whole universe. Right. So obviously the aliens show up in Manhattan. Right. Obviously. Of course. Whether yeah. it's to fight the Avengers or to hang out with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel you though, man. So I mean, we're kind of again um, trying to think here. So you were born around here. Uh, I was. I. Where was, are you from? So well, I was born. I was born in the Harrisburg Hospital. Yeah. Uh, so you can thank or be mad at them, depending on how you feel about me as a person. Um, Damn, bro. I I grew <laughs> I grew up in Lebanon County. So okay. A little bit pointed up. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit north of here. Yeah. Um. I got I got the finest education that you can get in Eastern Lebanon County, mm. uh, Elko, where two plus two equals fish. Apparently, yeah. uh, then I went to Shippensburg to pursue a a lucrative career in journalism. Made it to my junior year, where my professor uh, and I, I thank I thank her every day. Thank you, Professor Whitmer, for for telling me how it is. Uh, but during one of the classes, she was like, so this is what it's like to be a journalist. And she basically broke down how much it sucks. Yeah. Uh, you know, the fact that when you first start, you're going to get all the shitty beats and the pay is going to be not great. Yeah. And you're going to be getting up at two o'clock in the morning because a drunk driver hit a truck on the highway. And now you got to go out there. You got to hoof it out there to to get the get the story on that for the obit. And it's like, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. This is not yeah. what I want to do. Um, so, I mean, I, I finished out and I, I, I have a bachelor's of art in communications and journalism, uh, okay. but I really focused more of my attention on on my English minor because I, I, I considered getting an English major, um, but unless you go into education, your likelihood of getting a job uh, is very, very difficult. Mm. Um, you know, it's unless you get lucky and, well, I don't want to dismiss people you know putting in the hustle and getting a solid job but the chances of getting a position as like a speech writer or or anything like that you know as something prestigious are, are pretty low yeah and i didn't really want to write vacuum cleaner <clears throat> manuals 
Uh, so I, I never I, thought about that. Somebody probably definitely a job out there. Yeah. <laughs> somebody's got to write them uh but so I, I went for journalism uh didn't really it wasn't for me like you know, if somebody assigned me a story i could do a solid job of writing it but i don't have a nose for like finding you know the story yeah i barely follow the news today because it's pressing as hell yeah um so i mean that's that's where i went to college um and i took some creative writing courses uh, helped kind of refine the craft or whatever you want to say about that. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I lived in Lancaster with uh, a buddy of mine from college who went to Millersville. Uh, and I just kind of uh, been hanging around since. I, I live up near Ephrata now. So, gotcha. Uh, gotcha. But, and then the company I work for now is out by Philly. So I, I spend some time there because I've, I've met some people in that area. Okay. Yeah, no, we don't have to get in like this super specifics unless you want to. But like you said, you sell software. What, or I don't. So I, I am a trainer for a you nonprofit. Teach database. Yeah, okay. gotcha. Yeah, which is hilarious. I never thought I'd be a teacher. Uh, well, I'm I'm not a teacher, but I never thought I'd be, put myself in a teaching position. Um, which is also kind of funny because my da- my dad teaches people how to drive truck. Because okay. after the farm kind of went under, he uh, became a truck driver, and gotcha. then when my when custody shifted from my biological mother to my dad and now adoptive mother, yeah. uh, he couldn't be on the road five days a week anymore. So he, he got a job teaching truck. And a lot of people will tell me that I'm a lot like my father. Mm. And judging by their tones, they don't mean it as a compliment. Mm. <laughs> uh, but it is kind of funny to to see the mirror there where he had this whole thing planned out. It didn't pan out. Now he teaches people how to do stuff. Yeah. I had a whole thing planned out. It didn't pan out. Now yeah. I teach people how to do stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's an easy job. Uh, I love working with nonprofits uh, because I I always kind of wanted to do something good in the world. Yeah. But I'm by nature a pretty lazy dude so i didn't want gotcha. to be out there on the front lines gotcha. uh, so helping them maintain and use their database so that way they can they can focus on on the actual important part of their mission and not money is is i guess my way of helping out such as it is yeah but it gives me a lot of freedom it's it's a very very stable job i have plenty of free time and it, and it lets me work on you know my hot passion projects like right. uh, like you know, writing and, and designing some games and stuff. Right, right. I mean, you just said that you were you self described yourself as a lazy person. Yet you you wrote a book. Why Why do you think you're a lazy person? Oh, um, I mean, I didn't write a book. That, that's yeah, I'm definitely not a lazy person, though. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah, so. I mean, you're, you're doing this whole you got this whole podcast thing going on. You're a musician yeah. and everything. Uh, so I mean, for me, writing comes very naturally. It's it's very easy, and I enjoy it. So I don't consider that work. Gotcha. Um, but I. I am somebody that if you ask me to help you with something, I'll drop what I'm doing and I'll help you out. Yeah. Um, but if you're doing something yeah. and there's no indication that you need assistance and yeah. you do not ask me for assistance, okay. I will not offer assistance. Well, I, mean, I, I will continue that. doing my, yeah, my, yeah. my business. Um, but like I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've just lucked my way into what I consider to be easy jobs or maybe I've just gravitated <laughs> towards jobs that kind of fit my my natural aptitudes. Okay. Uh but I don't I don't really think I work that hard. I don't gotcha. really work hard at writing. I don't work hard at my job, which sounds real bad. I hope my <laughs> I hope my employer doesn't doesn't hear this. Well, hey man, if you're doing good, dude. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, all all my metrics and my numbers are where I am. My clients largely seem to like me. I like them, but yeah, I don't know. I was very lazy as a kid, and I gotcha. I think I've, I think I I mean I I must have some kind of work ethic, but I've just managed to find myself in positions where it doesn't feel like gotcha hard work, and I don't I don't buy into that whole work eighty hours a week yeah culture yeah uh so like maybe other people think I'm lazy because of that I don't know maybe I guess it just depends on what you define as laziness yeah. though you know what I mean like. I don't work out. I'm very yeah. bad at that. I'll yeah. ride my. I like. I love hiking and I like riding my bike. Right. Uh, but it's hard to find time to ride a bike and do all the other stuff I want to do. Right. You just gotta like, sleep less. Yeah. That, that, but that's, still, <laughs> but still get good sleep. Yeah. Oh, man, so it's, just, it's a nightmare, man. It's it's the worst. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like I know people that work hard. Maybe maybe I just know people that work harder than me yeah. or do a better job of making it look like they work harder than yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. I I my like I operate in the mind space uh, mind space that like there's always going to be like people doing more doing less than you. That's but, like, fair. I heard this quote once. Uh, 
I don't remember who it was. But it was like comparison is the thief of joy. Oh, that's good. And I it's like just that. like I just try not to. I don't compare myself to anybody. Yeah, because the the spectrum is never ending in both ways. You know. I uh, I stopped following faith. I stopped going on Facebook a whole lot during the pandemic yeah. because a lot of people I know feel differently about a lot of things than I do, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, but also not seeing like all these other people around my age category with all this stuff that they've got going on. And like, I didn't, I stopped seeing all of that and I've stopped comparing myself to it. Mm. And it definitely did decrease my stress levels. Like yeah. not, I, I'm not going to you know, bash social media. I think it's, I think it's really cool that we have the ability to, to be that connected if you want to be that connected. Right. Um, but yeah, not being on it constantly, uh, made me feel a whole lot better. And like on Instagram and Twitter, I tend to follow, like creative types, you know, I follow yeah. Eric on on both of them. Yeah, I follow right, right. I follow a, an artist that that I've been working on a, a game project with, and uh, you know I follow various podcasts. So by by staying with that kind of uh, stuff versus like my girlfriend fo- like follows a whole bunch of um, influencers, mm. and the one I, I've I've had to listen to some of her videos because she plays them in bed before she goes to sleep. Uh, and th- they all seem pretty on the up and up, but like, there's definitely a lot of them that seem pretty shitty. Yeah. And, and I feel like people that just get way into that end up stressing themselves out. So, right. Yeah. I, I really just use social media for the most part of like networking. It's all like business related stuff. And then I turn my notifications off for oh, Facebook uh. and Instagram and all that shit. And I just like, I'll try to like once a day in the morning or the evening send out different messages, respond to things. And mm-hmm. then I just don't look at it anymore. It, Cause yeah. it's like, it, it's for, I mean, for Facebook, for me, it's like, it's mostly all people that I know that mm-hmm. if I needed to get in touch with them or they need to get in touch with me, they could call me, you know what I mean? And then Instagram is like, for me, for the studio, it's where I kind of network with people like outside of, you know, the area and yeah. whatnot. So it's more like, I, I really just use it more or less um, for like direct messaging and, and whatnot. That, that's honestly um, what I was using it for for the longest time. And then my buddies, uh, one of my friends just opened up a Discord server and we all, because a lot of us hated Facebook. And right. so then we all just migrated. So we just, we, we, we hang out and chat on Discord. And kind of like you, I, I mostly use my social media for, for networking and, and kind of promoting my, my stuff. I'm yeah. ve- and sharing pictures of my cat, obviously. Oh, yeah. Well, my cats. Obviously. I have two cats as well. I, I have three cats. Oh, shit. Yeah. Multiple cats. We should get our cats together and... I don't know, do cat stuff. Wow, that'd be great. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely going to happen, man. (laughs) Now, I've got got Jax and Opie, who are named after Sons of Anarchy characters. Mm. They're both five. Um, I love that show. I I couldn't finish the last season. I really feel like it should have ended at the, were there seven or eight seasons? I don't. No, it should have it should have ended at the second to last season. Gotcha. I don't want to get into spoilers for anybody. Yeah, this shit came out mad long ago. Spoiler alert: speak your truth about something. <laughs> oh man! So at the end, when when Jax was going to go to jail, but Tara was going to get away with the kids, it was going to be a bittersweet ending. I thought that's yeah. where it should have ended. Yeah, and then Gemma kills Tara. Right, and we get a Unexpected. whole other season. Right. And I watched like five episodes of it, and I just couldn't get into it. It was yeah. just it it was too dark it was a fucking bummer man i mean super spoiler like he kills his mom yeah right you know i know that that was like i know that bobby gets killed i know that he kills like fucking everyone dies he kills his his mom and he kills that police the retired police chief that had cancer for 30 years and was still walking around doing police stuff right and then he like doesn't he blow his own brains out yeah i think he he or like it's it's like ominous but i think he rides off into the sun oh did they do like a a sopranos thing where they just cut the black i was so upset by that actually i watched the sopranos for the first time over the uh like shutdown or whatever um good show i haven't i haven't seen it it's on my list i also haven't seen breaking bad People, Uh, people get on me about that my uh my girlfriend refuses to watch it and I already I saw it before I met her, so everybody I'm not hyped it up. It. Yeah, everybody hyped it up a whole lot, and it came out when I was in college, so you know I was just a contrarian douchebag. Yeah. So everybody's like, "Oh, Breaking Bad's the best thing ever," and I was like, "I'm not gonna watch Breaking Bad." <laughs> uh, and now I just, it's one of those things where I'll watch it if somebody puts it on, but no one's put it on. So yeah. Right. Right. It's you know it's a show about drugs and drug dealing, and, and it's there's so many shows that explore those 
options, like, those themes. Like you know? Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. <laughs> true, true. Uh, there was a spinoff from Sons of Anarchy that I, that I think there was only like one one or two seasons called yeah, Mayans. Yeah. And I, wa- I watched that and I remember vaguely liking it. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm I haven't really been consuming that much. Oh, I... I've been I'm, like looking like in at like the woods and shit lately. I'm a, been thinking a lot. I'm a consumer whore when it comes to media. Gotcha. But I almost have to be. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, like, yeah, I'm, I play I play video games a lot. Yeah. Uh, open world games mostly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I watch I watch almost any any show or movie, even if they're trash, because I can always like I, I don't. I feel like I don't get to watch TV or movies the way that most people do, and I don't know. Maybe other other writers or cre- and creative uh, How do you folks mean? can can back me up on this, or maybe I'm just alone. But like, I don't know. I feel like I pick apart. Oh and yeah, analyze no, hundred percent. A lot I, that happens with me with music. It takes like many a beer to get me to a place where I can just sit down and just enjoy a record rather than being like, oh, the reverb they used on this section is interesting. Uh, You know what I mean? I was talking to a friend of mine about something like this uh, and about he was he was listening to some some artist. Uh, and then he realized after he was done with the album, he's like, oh, shit, I forgot to enjoy this. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. You can get lost in it, man. No, I. Uh, I I know, I feel like I know a whole lot of people that just say that they don't like something, mm. and then they just won't engage with it. Like they won't give it any sort of chance. They'll be like, "Hey, you should try this thing, or we should watch this." And I'm like, "I'm not really into that." And then that's yeah. the end of the discussion. Gotcha. And then somebody will be like, "Hey, Sean, did you want to watch Younger, starring uh, Hillary Duff and Summer Foster? Summer, I don't, Sutton Foster. Okay, I don't know. It's some show that my my girlfriend and her sister were watching during during COVID because we yeah. had we had we had a full house situation. They came down from New York and were living with us. Yeah, uh, which was great because I have an, I have a niece who's um, she was four turned five, so she actually really helped. It's gonna sound so being actually being there's a child character in in the book. Yeah, and actually getting to be around a child and see how a child interacts right, with the right. world yeah. uh, actually really wound up kind of helping solidify my writing because I was writing the second book largely during uh, COVID. Right. Uh, but they would just be like, oh, let's, uh, let's watch this show younger. And I'm just like, oh, this isn't really like my jam. But yeah. like, I'm, I put it on. I got some laughs out of it. I got some yeah. yucks. You know? I, there's a, I got some got some inspirations from a few characters here and there. Hillary Duff. She was Lizzie McGuire. Yes. And Wendy the Witch in Casper Meets Wendy, her first starring role. I never saw that one. Damn, you, you got like the Hillary Duff like uh, fan club over uh, here. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a ride or die Hill Dog fan. Yeah. <laughs> right on, dude. I, I'll have to check it out. Younger, you said, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's solid. It's a, it's sturdy. Yeah, it's a, it's a sitcom. Okay. Uh, like multicam. Uh, I think so. The style of sitcoms. Yeah, something is like severely wrong with my leg. Do you ever, uh, do you ever like explode your knees or like get in any like hairy situations where you thought you were gonna die or anything like that? Uh, I almost got sucked out to sea uh, in the Pacific Ocean Ooh. when I was sixteen. 15, Elaborate, please. 15, yeah, sure. Uh, so my my grandmother lives out in Oregon, and she had uh, a lovely little little beach house uh, near near Brookings. In a neighborhood called Sandpiper, okay, which is where Locke is trying to go. He's gotcha. trying to go to this little community that he keeps hearing about called Sandpiper. It's supposed to be this idyll- idyllic little coastal town. Yeah, and eventually we'll find out if that's true. Uh, I suppose. But you have was, all the answers. I yeah, they're all they're all <laughs> up here. But, well, I'll get into that in just a moment. Yeah, my I wanna, bad, let, my me, bad. let me finish the. Yeah, I'll finish the the. Life or death story. I also almost got drowned in a pool. Uh, but me and water, I love swimming, but apparently Poseidon's got a mark on my soul. Right. Uh, but you know, my grandmother, all growing up, we'd go out and visit every year. And then when we finally got old enough that we could actually kind of play on the beach, uh, then she took us to uh, her beach house. But she was very, she made it very clear you can't swim in the Pacific Ocean. It's mm. not like going to Ocean City or the Outer Banks or Rehoboth or Wildwood or. Yeah. Or anything like that. The undertow will suck you out, and then you'll 
die. It's much colder. It's also well, especially because we were in Oregon. Yeah. Um, but so we were. You know, I was like I said, fifteen or sixteen. I was out there with my sister and and one of my cousins and my grandmother was just enjoying some peace and quiet from having like three stupid teenagers hanging yeah. around her house. Uh, and so we were we were splashing around in the water and. Uh, a sneaker wave knocked me down. Okay, and then it started to pull me out. Yeah, and I was I'm like <laughs> digging my elbows and my like my feet into the sand as best I can, trying to anchor myself. Damn, and I'm like yelling at my sister and my my cousin, but they can barely hear me because they right. were like. 20 or 30 feet away and there's waves everywhere and at right. first they thought i was joking but then eventually they realized that like i was not getting out of the water right and so i'm i'm like doing a weird like crawl where i'm digging my elbows into the sand and like letting the sand get sucked over my forearms so that way i can stay in when the waves are coming out yeah and then as they like rush in i'm like trying to scurry <laughs> as best i can damn uh, like obviously i got out yeah right right although it wouldn't be crazy if i didn't yeah um and you'd be a ghost uh, no, maybe well, uh, sure. or what not if I, what if i am a ghost who knows dude i'm a, I'm a self-doubting ghost <laughs> uh but yeah i i got out of that and um then a couple of years later i was at a my my mom would take me and my sister to um the the nearby uh you know public pool yeah and you know i would i would play games with like other dumb shit kids my age yep. and uh at one point we were doing i think dunk tag yeah so you gotta you know you gotta swim after somebody and you gotta dunk them uh and this this Big kid who I I couldn't stand then, and I'm sure if I met him now he'd be fine. But my memories of him are very sour. Yeah. Uh, so he shall remain nameless. But he he dunked me, and it wasn't entirely his fault because there was like another kid like climbing on him and like like putting him in a headlock. So he's right. like just reflexively like just kind of holding me down. <laughs> oh, so like no. I'm underwater, yeah, right. nearly nearly getting drowned uh, while this kid's getting like strangled by this other kid. Right. Uh, and then eventually I managed to escape and I pretty sure I punched him in the face. Yeah. That's like, it like wasn't a slightly justified. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't on purpose or even not liking him out of a sense of malice. Cause he was much bigger than me. So yeah. like I, you know, my rule is I don't, I don't fuck with people bigger than me cause yeah. I'm a very small dude. Yeah. Uh, like I got some height, but my arms are, are bones with sleeves. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, I almost drowned in a public pool too. Damn. What happened after you punched him in the face? Uh, my mom came over and yelled at me for getting almost drowned. Yeah, right on. And he was just he got no yelled reaction? at by he got gotcha. young, yelled at by somebody. Like there else. wasn't like a fight in the pool. No, no, no. Gotcha. It was, uh, we I think we all knew that it was it was just some roughhousing that ended up going a little bit too far. But we stopped right. playing dunk tag that yeah. day, and then yeah. I think we probably played again the next day because. It's a public pool. We're all just going at the same time. Right. Because right. you know, some of us have our parents bringing us there so we can get energy. Some of us have our parents send us there so that yeah. way we're not uh, being annoying at the house. Um, right. But yeah, so those are those are my two near-ish death experiences. Gotcha. That I can, Both with water. Yeah, there may be other ones that I was just oblivious to. Right. Who knows? Right. I mean, you know, I drive on 222 and that yeah. road sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. So Damn. That's a trip, man. Hmm. We got some some pretty good time in here. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd like specifically want to talk about that I we didn't uh, touch on at least? So I was I was kind of going on this a little bit before I was telling that story. Uh, but you were saying the answers were all up in here in in, right. in the gray matter of my brain, and uh, they're really not. Mm. Um, I I kind of I don't know if it's a writing philosophy. I I don't know that many other writers, honestly, which really mm. sucks. I would love to know other. So if you know other, if you're a writer listening to this, reach out to me and we can we can talk we can talk shop. Especially if you also don't have friends that are writers uh, that write a whole bunch and want to talk about it, because I'll talk about it all day. Um, but I I am very much a writer who is finding out what's happening as it's happening. Like, you know, but the main character Locke, in the very first draft, he so the very first draft Phoenix the villain was the first draft. The the very first draft was terrible, which is why it's no longer in existence. Uh, but Phoenix was basically a warlord that took over the ruined city of of Las Vegas. Okay, uh, which by itself is already an overplayed trope in post apocalyptic. I I mean whether it's Army of the Dead. The I just saw that. I was, I, I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. I heard it. It had like horrible reviews, and I, I it was like, oh, all right, it's it's okay. Yeah, I, I wasn't going into it thinking like this is gonna be a, like 
jaw dropping, amazing yeah, acting, I, whatever. But. I I try to view a movie based. I try to view any sort of media kind of on its own merits. Like if it's not, like it's Zack Snyder, it's not going to be an artsy film. Yeah, and it's going to be like, like five hours long. Yeah, like it's it's not watching like Roma or Tampopo or or anything else that's you know and going to win an Oscar. It's right. It's Zack Snyder. It's going to have big moods. It's going to have some blurry shit, some slow motion. A solid soundtrack and probably like a, a good fight scene here. Or there, yeah. that's that's what he does. That's what if I'm watching a Zack Snyder movie, that's what I want. And that movie delivered on it. There was a lot of dumb stuff that happened, uh, like Dave Bautista's crying expression. But ultimately, like entertaining yeah. popcorn flick. Right, right. Yeah. My bad though. I totally got you up. No, no, I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, but so like in the very first draft phoenix was you know a warlord that had taken over the city of las vegas and Locke was recruited to like kind of take him out mm. and eventually i got to the point where i was like this isn't what Locke would do like this dude has been surviving in the wilderness for how long like sure las vegas might be in the way between him and his destination but he'll just go around it mm. so then i realized that i couldn't write that story cuz that's not what the character would do like i i get to to write it all down, but I don't know. I feel like I'm not really in charge of any of it. Gotcha. So I, I rewrote the whole thing uh, after watching. I, I watched a bunch of Western movies, actually. Uh, and so then I got the idea for Phoenix hunting Locke down mm. while Locke is hunting somebody else down. Gotcha. Uh, because the honestly, the first half of The Long Road is just a post-apocalyptic and expanded and embellished uh, version of the story that's told by Marty Robbins, Big Iron. Okay. You know. I'm not hip. You don't know the song Big Iron by Marty Robbins? I mean, I'm bad with song names. Well, it's a I'm classic. Probably, I heard it. I'll check it out. Yeah, it's a it's a classic. We'll we'll listen to it after. We'll play it on the you. intro or something. Oh, that that would that would rip so hard if you if you're allowed to do that. I can. Yeah, man. Well, you got you got 30 seconds for fair use, right? Is that the is that the rule? Or is, or is that sort of like one of I'm those... I'm not making any money directly <laughs> off this podcast, so I can do whatever I want. Oh, nice. I didn't know if that's one of those, you know, like a, if a, if you ask a cop if they're a cop, they have to tell you it's entrapment. I didn't it gets, know if it was... It gets kind of weird with everything else. Um, okay. The name of the song, though, real quick, what was it? Big Iron by Marty Robbins. Okay, There's also yeah. a Johnny Cash cover, but the the classic... As I love Johnny Cash. He's great. He's yeah. probably my second or third favorite artist, but the Marty Robbins song uh, is, is the best version. Cause we'll use that. I hope sweet. you guys enjoyed us playing that at the beginning of this podcast oh man and if you don't don't tell me about it I'll just be, <laughs> I'll just be sad because i love that song yeah yeah uh so yeah so lock from Locke's story it just went from being i don't know a lot of contrived bullshit honestly to uh like a personal revenge based story so that's that's how elizabeth kind of came into it and that's and then i I added AJ because i needed some sort of humanizing factor because mm. every time i was writing without it Locke was just he was doing typical action movie guy stuff where he's just John wicking his way through, mm. you know, a bunch of guys. And I was like, nah, I need something to kind of anchor him because because he's gone, he's seen some shit, he's done some shit, mm. uh, and then so he's hunting down Red Jake to avenge his, his wife's murder, and then Phoenix is hunting down Locke for reasons that are unknown throughout most of of the story. Gotcha. Uh, and then originally. Long Road and Minutemen were supposed to be one. It was just supposed to be one self-contained story. Uh, but I was at like 80,000 words and wasn't even halfway through what would have been that full drawn-out story. Gotcha. Uh, and when I was when I was writing the first draft, I was trying to get published traditionally, and mm-hmm. so I was I was following I was researching like rules and regulations, and not I mean there's not there's no real rules, but yeah, for fantasy and science fiction, you know, a publisher will typically be willing to go up to a hundred thousand words for like an untested author, because the more pages, the more expensive, the, the lower the profit. So I tried yeah. to keep I managed to bring it down to about ninety something thousand words overall. Uh, so I. I kind of rearranged some things. I moved Locke's encounter with Red Jake up way earlier, so that way there was some resolution there, and then I left it on a bit of a cliffhanger with Phoenix. And then I started writing The Minutemen, which was supposed to be the back half of the whole story. Uh, And then while I was writing that, I kind of had an idea for a third story. Because originally I was just going to do a, I think they call them a duology, where it's just two. Yeah. Uh, 
But I was like, well, I mean, I could do a trilogy, but it's like everybody does a trilogy. I don't want to just write a third book for the sake of like, you know, having a third book. Yeah, like yeah. M- making, uh, meeting, meeting some sort of unspoken requirement. Uh, so originally, it was going to end on the second one, and then I kind of had an idea for the for a, for like a third main story based off of some characters uh, that show up in the first one and are expanded upon in the second one. Uh, And then I also realized that I wanted to do more with Phoenix. Uh, Now it's, it's always going to be told from Locke's point of view. I, Mm. you know, every chapter outside of the prologue and epilogue, it's, it's Locke. I'm not going to cut away to other characters. We're not going to get inside of their heads. We're only going to experience them uh, through Locke because it would be really weird if suddenly in the third book, I just broke all those rules. Uh, I I might have I don't know I might do like maybe some flashback kind of stuff where maybe Phoenix is telling somebody a story and we can kind of get into his head a little bit more but I don't know I feel like I've gone this far staying entirely in Locke's brain so I think I'm gonna stick stick to that as best I can. Gotcha. Uh, man, where where did I I'd do this every time when I was recording with Joda where I'd start on something? Uh, but yeah, so I don't know like I don't. I don't really know what's going to happen right, until, right, right. until it happens. Because so, originally it's supposed to be something completely different. And right. then it was supposed to be one probably meteor, like 150 count, well, word count story. Yeah. And then I realized, uh, can't do that. So now it was going to be two roughly 100,000 words. And I was like, oh, but this, this, this opens up a whole, this could really do a whole thing. And so now it's going to be three. It's going to stop at three. I'm yeah. not going yeah, to yeah. four. Six books later. Uh, well, I would be so <laughs> mad. Now, honestly, I don't even know what I'll do when I'm done with the third one. Hey, like, man. You get there when you get there and you yeah. figure it out. Yeah, I, I got. I think I might go back to fantasy for a little bit. Gotcha. Um, after the third one. But like, I, I, I know exactly how I want the third one to end. It I um you know I like I said earlier I mostly listen to instrumental like soundtrack music mm-hmm. I, I've listened yeah. to the good bad and the ugly soundtrack gotcha. I've listened to the Red Dead one and two soundtracks okay. um, Murder by Death wrote and did an EP for a, a novel called Finch which I actually listened to on repeat while I was writing the big battle sequence in, in book oh, okay, two cool. so like I, I I'll listen to that while I'm writing <laughs> yeah but when I'm when I'm not writing I'll just you know I listen to anything and sometimes I'll get like a a little kind of a idea for something. And so the, the very last part of book three, I came up with the idea for it while listening to Landslide by Fleetwood Mac okay, uh, and Father and Son by Cat <laughs> Stevens. Gotcha. And I don't okay. want to say anything further because yeah, yeah. I don't want to. Interesting. Yeah. But the, the, that's how like, I, I know what the, I know what the last words are going to be. Yeah. Uh, I just got to figure out how to, to get there. Right. Um, but yeah, any, anything like, I wrote Long Road chapter by chapter. Yeah. Like I don't I write chronologic I write chronologically in, roughly in the order that somebody will read something. Obviously if I flash back <clears throat> technically that's out of the order. Yeah, yeah. Uh I still have all the stuff from the original attempt at the Long Road which was half present half flashback. None of the flashback stuff really gets used, but mm-hmm. it it allows me to refer back to uh, you know, actual written out notes, and I can be, you know, so if Locke wants to talk about his past, I actually have right, you know, right, a right. chapter that that talks about that whole event, and I can kind of have him distill it. Fascinating. Uh, book two, I did the same thing. Uh, I did hold off on the prologue and epilogue because uh, both of those take place from, like I said, a non-Locke point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I wrote all of Locke's stuff, and then I wrote the prologue and epilogue. Gotcha. Uh, and then for this, the for the third one, I've actually done a much better job of. I, I've I wrote a paragraph blurb of the first twenty five or so chapters, so that way I can kind of know where I'm supposed to go a little bit better. Because like I I've I've always sort of known the main points. Like in the first one, I knew that Locke was going to start out on the road. He was going to run into that creepy driver. Okay. He was going to run into Red Jake. Mm. He was going to run into Phoenix. He was going to do the thing at the end of the first book, which, I again, I don't want to spoil. Yeah, right, right, right. My audience isn't super huge yet, so anybody listening here maybe didn't read it before. Uh, In the third book, you know, uh, the second book, I know that Locke's going to start, you know, in a specific area. He's going to leave town to handle something. He's going to come back and then... Yeah, the whole 
latter half of that that story takes place. And then the third one, you know, I know that Locke is going to start in an area, and I know that he's got to he's got to hit certain locations to to handle some stuff, uh, and, it, and he gets to learn a little bit more about what it means to be uh, Danel Zig, which I think is how that I don't I never I wrote, I made up the word I don't know how to say. <laughs> uh, man, don't, like. Hey man, I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> it's well, Dunald Zig is weird because to me it almost looks more Irish, but okay, it's actually yeah. based off of a of a Lakota Sioux word. Don't ask me what the word okay. is; I don't remember it anymore. Yeah. I made it up five years ago. Yeah, uh, and like the word "talajo" apparently means drill in Spanish. Mm. Uh, I got that from I, I basically found the word for like drill sergeant, and okay. then just bastardized it a right. whole bunch, and apparently just now it means drill. So who can say? Right on. So yeah, I've been getting a lot better at sort of plotting things out, but I, I really leave it super open. Uh, you know, randomly I'll come up with an idea for maybe like a scene. Mm. And so I'll get my phone out and I'll just, I'll just get on my note app and I'll start typing it up. Yeah. So I don't forget. But then by the time I'm writing, like I forget that I wrote the note. And then Damn. I could, like I've had a couple of scenes where it's like, oh, this is a really good scene. <laughs> oh, shit. But I already wrote that part and it flows pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. How do I put this ra- this square peg into that round hole? Right. Uh, so sometimes I I mean, I've made it work a couple of times. Uh, a lot of the the scenes that like just pop into my head are like ones where I I tend to wax philosophic about uh, you know how Locke feels about a certain thing um, or how another character feels. All the action sequences, all all of like the the meat and potatoes of it, mm. tend to just come up in my regular writing. Uh, just sort of there. Awesome, yeah. man. That's so cool, though, dude. I wanted to say, like, sorry to cut you off, but I got a, a session that's going to start here in, no, in no, a little yeah, while. Um, do, do you. But, uh, yeah, dude, just give you the floor. Where can the people find the book? Where can uh, the dates for the new one and, and all that fun stuff? And we'll put a, uh, a link in the description um, for The Long Road which is out now. Yes. You so can find. Yeah, you can get The Long Road at Barnes & Noble. You can get it at Amazon. Um I would recommend getting it at Barnes and Noble uh, over Amazon. Personally, that's I'll, just me. I'll go get it again. <laughs> uh, no, that's fine. Uh, and then you can you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and I have a the the World Hereafter series. The page is currently called the World Hereafter series, the Minutemen, because that's the one that's coming out in September. I don't have a I don't have a more solid date than that. I've still got some beta readers going uh, looking over some stuff. Uh, we're doing we're doing a last pass for for line edits, but we're hoping to get it out mid to late September, uh, and that'll also be that that one I think is going to be exclusively through Barnes and Noble because that's okay. where Sen's publishing everything. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you follow me on on Twitter or or Instagram, uh, you can you can get some updates on that. What's your in- Twitter? At S L McLellan one nine nine one M A C L E L L A N, and then on Instagram, it is s.l.mclellan. Good shit. Yeah, and you'll see pictures of my cats. All right, yeah, that's it, man. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for coming on the show, bro. Yeah, Thanks for having me. <laughs>